Hi friends, wanted to pop in at the beginning here to take a second to ask if you are enjoying listening to the podcast, if you'd give it a like, give it a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcasts, and share it with a few friends who you think might be interested in learning more about tarot. Thanks a lot. On today's episode, we will talk about one of my favorite cards in the Major Arcana, the Wheel of Fortune, evolution through progression, the cycles of life, the turning of the Wheel of Dharma. Now, this might be a longer episode because I love this card so much. So let's get into it. On Crystalline Knowledge Tarot, I'll share all things tarot with a little bit of social science, a large dose of feminism, and a sprinkling of mysticism to show how tarot can be used for learning, self-development, and collective liberation. There are many perspectives on the practice of tarot and how to read and interpret the cards. This is my perspective, not the perspective, and I respect the many tarot journeys that people are on. This is how I practice and the lens I bring. Hi friends, welcome back to the show, and today is all about card 10 in the Major Arcana, the Wheel of Fortune. I said in the intro that this is, yet again, one of my favorite cards in the tarot. There's a lot of really interesting symbolism and imagery and interpretation with this card, and again, I'm going to push back a little bit on some of the only pleasant, it's your destiny, it's kismet uh, that you may hear. And this is not to say that those are not keywords or ideas that are associated with this card, but that sometimes when I look at the uh, cookie cutter Disney princess following your destiny, it's all coming to you in good time type of interpretation, these are just missing a key element of the mysticism and also the challenges that we face on our journey in life that's mimicked by the fool's journey through the major arcana. There's uh, not, not a darkness per se, but a sense that the wheel of life will have ups and downs. And there will be things that we just can't know right now or we just cannot control. And I also really resonate with this card. I may have mentioned this before. My life path card is number one, the magician. But when I actually add up my birth month, day, and year, it equals 10, which I then reduce to one plus zero equals one, the magician. But I view the Wheel of Fortune as my teacher card. While I can harness the elements and use my own personal power to manifest what I want in life as the magician, I need to be mindful of those larger forces outside of my control, of the cycles of nature and of life, of, in a medieval sense, the potential wrath of God, or the offense to nature, or relinquishing of the Dharma, or whatever you want to call it of not thinking about the causes and effects of my actions. And I have felt an affinity with this card 
um, since I first saw it, when I looked through my first tarot deck that I bought, and it continues to the present as I really see this card as embodying a lot of the mystical elements of the tarot. In the description and in the show notes, I included lyrics from the Journey song, Wheel in the Sky, a little 70s rock for everyone. And I think it's apt. I might be standing right now in the sleet and rain as Steve Perry sings, you know, wondering if I can go on, if I can find my way. But as the lyrics continue, the morning sun is rising, it's kissing the day. Where there is darkness and shadow and bad luck and even some horrible things, there is the bright, the shiny, the new light of day, the new hope. Remember, we're on the second leg of the Fool's Journey through the Major Arcana, and this portion from Strength to Temperance is about the subconscious, about finding out who we actually are in the world Aside from all of the norms and expectations and what others tell us we should be, the hermit has gone on their journey for wisdom. They become the sage and then they can see the wheel of life or the wheel of fortune from a 10,000 foot view. This is the next cycle that they must take in their progression. And to bring it back to Journey, the band, the song, the fool learns that the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. It's not going to stop in one of these places forever. Happiness, despair, boredom, wealth, abundance. They are all part of the cycle of life, of the seasons, of the epochs that we keep going through as a collective. Now, I want to actually jump into associations and keywords because we will be spending a lot of time talking about the incredible symbolism that goes with this card. So the Wheel of Fortune is associated with the element of fire and the planet Jupiter. Fire, again, motivated, determined, innovative, creative energy, uh, the latter being its appearance and embodiment in the suit of wands. Um, but again, fire can be too headstrong. It can raise everything in its path if we're not careful. And Jupiter is the planet of expansion and of abundance. I also think of Jupiter a little bit as a tie between the Hermit and the Wheel of Fortune, a little bit like the sage of the planetary system too, right? There's hidden knowledge there for us if we are willing to listen. And keywords that we hear associated with the Wheel of Fortune include maybe the somewhat tired and pedestrian, but sometimes correct, kismet, destiny, serendipity, a degree of fortuitous timing. Additionally, we think of cycles of change or unexpected and abrupt events of changes in the seeker's life, evolution through progression, which I said at the beginning, and a bit of the changing of the tides or the seasons as well. When I think of this card in a reading, which hang out until the end of the episode, I pulled a three-card spread to talk about this card in context. This is something new I'm trying on podcasts. Let me know what you think. So when I think about this card in a reading, I sometimes think about attuning to the cycles of life, finding joy where you can, and relishing in the happy and fortuitous moments when they present themselves to us. 
because there will be difficulty and there will be sorrow. And this card tells us that we need to face these things head on, understanding that everything, including the good, including the lucky, is never permanent. I said I wanted to go a bit out of order today compared to most episodes. Before talking about the archetypes or shadows with this card, I want to go into the symbolism. There is so much, and it really underlies the complex interpretation of this card. So in the Rider-Waite-Coleman-Smith version of the deck, we have a wheel at the center, and on the wheel are the alchemical symbols for, and if we go clockwise from the top, mercury, sulfur, water, and salt. And on the wheel, we see the Hebrew letters for the Tetragrammaton, the unspeakable name of God from the Hebrew Bible. Because the, f- the letters that are found here, Yod, He, Vav, and He, are all consonants with no known vowels, the word is unpronounceable. Therefore, God's true name is a secret. It's unknown to us. It's magical in many ways. You will hear Christians and others use Yahweh or Jehovah for, for this four letters. So we also see around the wheel the letters T, A, R, and O. So we can spell out tarot for the tarot, Torah for the Torah, minus the H, Rota, the wheel, Orat, speaks, and Ator, or Hathor, this is an Egyptian goddess. Uh, She was known as the goddess of the dead, the mother of pharaohs. So the American occultist and writer on the tarot, Paul Foster Case, says that these spell out Rota, Tarot, Ora, Torah, Ator. Or the wheel of tarot speaks the law of Ator, basically the law of eternal life. And there are also animals around the wheel that speak to this cycle of death and rebirth. We see the snake representing Set, the Egyptian god of evil. It's also analogous to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. But as I may have mentioned previously, it's also thought by some that the snake was historically a representative of the goddess, the creatrix of all things. And there's a fable in prehistory that every year they would sacrifice the king to the goddess by crushing him under a wheel as a sacrifice to her so that she would bring in the spring and the harvest and the next turning of the wheel of life. Uh, More on that narrative a little bit in a moment. So we have set the goddess, the snake, and then we have Anubis, the jackal-headed man that you see. He is a guide to dead souls and a giver of new life. And then at the top, we have the Sphinx, a representative of Horus, um, Osiris's son, again, um, from sort of views on Egyptian mythology. Uh, He was the god of resurrection, and with his sword that he's holding, he has triumphed over death. Now, the wheel is in the clouds, in the heavens, essentially existing above and beyond the earthly realm. And at the four corners of the card, we have representatives of the fixed signs of the Babylonian zodiac, 
Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, and Taurus. Also, they represent uh, the four elements, which we see repeated in the suits in the minor arcana. And these four characters relate to the passage in Ezekiel 1.10, in which Ezekiel has a vision of these four creatures in the flames. And the verse from the translation that I'm reading says, quote, As for the likeness of their faces, they had the face of a man, and they four had the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side, and they four also had the face of an eagle. So in the vision, these are multi-faced creatures, but here on the card, they are each an individual character. The human, the eagle, the lion, and the ox, again, if we go sort of clockwise from the top. Each of them has wings of an angelic being, and here's some Christian iconography. Christians associated these four with the four evangelists, so Mark, Paul, Luke, and John. And so in the Rider-Waite-Coleman-Smith version, each is holding a book, their scripture. Uh, you might be saying, wait, this is all a part of this cycle of life and death and rebirth? That doesn't sound very Christian. Well, there's some speculation about the degree to which early Christians may have still believed in concepts like rebirth or reincarnation. So in the 6th century, for example, there were official decrees from the church declaring the belief in rebirth to be heretical. And, you know, I put my social scientist cap on here, not trying to offend anyone's religious beliefs, of course, but why would they do this if there wasn't either a belief in the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth, or perhaps fears that this belief could spread, maybe due to exposure to other diverse belief systems, why create a decree against it? You know, thou doth protest too much, mayhaps. Regardless of whether there's a belief in this cycle or not, People are aware of these ideas floating around in various cultural and religious contexts. So the metaphor of the cycle of life and birth and death and rebirth would have been understood by the audience of the early tarot cards. And I'm looking at another version of the card, and this one is from the Ethereal Visions Illuminated Tarot deck. And it has the wheel in gold in the center with the Hebrew letters, the alchemical elements, and Rota, Tarot, Orat, Torah, Ator. And we also have the representation of the four cardinal signs, the four elements, the four evangelists. But here's where we see some differences. In this version of the card, there's a cloaked, faceless figure holding the wheel. And I think of this potentially... It could be death or a god of death, but also the being is faceless under the cloak. So I kind of think of the facelessness invoking the idea that God's true name cannot be known or the cloak of consciousness, a bit sacrilegious um, as it would be uh, for some religious groups to have a visual depiction of God. And trickling down from the wheel is a gold squiggly line that looks like Set, the serpent, like the god of death or the representative of the goddess. 
I love this version of the card. It's probably my favorite card in that deck and one of my favorite versions of this card that I've ever seen. And I want to speak a little bit about a fable that would have been pretty well known during the time that the tarot became popular and how that is reflected in many versions of the deck. It's a variation on the King Arthur legend. And I want to note here that I am really grateful to Rachel Pollock's 78 Degrees of Wisdom for the recounting of this legend. The king has a vision of his final battle in which he's at the top of the wheel of life when suddenly the goddess Fortuna turns the wheel and he's crushed. And he realizes that no matter how much power he may acquire, he is still at the wrath of God. And it also bears to mind and calls to mind the church's teachings that the greatest sin was pride, for pride puts oneself before the Christ. Remember, Jesus's first name wasn't first name Jesus, last name Christ. The term Christ comes from the Greek Christos, meaning anointed one, the king of kings, if you will. The Christian belief then that Jesus was the Messiah foretold in the Hebrew Bible. Jewish people disagree with this interpretation, obviously. So Jesus was the Christ, not Jesus Christ. Anyways, this is a metaphor for the wheel. When we try to put ourselves above God or above the fates, we are foolish because we are destined to fall as all things are. And this symbolism of the Wheel of Fortune or Fortuna's Wheel or the Wheel of Life is not unique to Christianity or Christian myths and fables. I also obviously think of the wheel in Buddhism and Hinduism, and in particular to think about a Buddhist interpretation for a minute, the turning of the wheel of Dharma at the Tathagatas or Buddha's first Dharma talk and the cycle of samsara. So after the Buddha received enlightenment, he goes back to the aesthetics that he had been traveling with, and they were now a bit weary of him. He had seemingly abandoned them, and he had abandoned the extreme aestheticism that they thought was necessary in order to achieve enlightenment. So anyways, he goes to them at Deer Park, and he teaches the Four Noble Truths of Existence, of suffering, the makings or causes of suffering, the possibility of restoring well-being and ending suffering, and the Noble Eightfold Path that would enable them to do this and declared himself to be an enlightened being. According to the scriptures, and this is a recounting from Thich Nhat Hanh's book, The Heart of the Buddha's Teaching, quote, at that moment, the earth shook and the voices of gods, humans, and other living beings throughout the cosmos said that on the planet earth, an enlightened person had been born and put into motion the wheel of the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. He continues, quote, Since then, 2,600 years have passed, and the wheel of the Dharma continues to turn. The Dharma, in this case, is the teaching. The term is also used in different contexts to mean living on the path that is best ordained or designed for you, 
uh, living your truth, so to speak. And I also think about the metaphor of the cycles of samsara, that there's a continuous cycle of birth, death, and rebirth, and that we are stuck in this cycle because we haven't realized the truth of the Dharma about the existence and causes of suffering and how to break out of that cycle. A key part of the Buddha's enlightenment, by the way, was that he remembered all of his past lives and that remembering was core to his enlightenment. He was able to see the cycle of samsara and the wheel of life and the reality of it that clinging to our suffering or our attachments to various mental formations or ideas and a sense of separateness apart from the interconnectedness and cause and effect of karma is what keeps us dissatisfied and keeps us in this cycle of samsara. So to bring it back to the Wheel of Fortune or the tarot card, when we only think about this card as the good or positive things, good luck, serendipity, good fortune, we are creating attachments to a type of experience that isn't realistic. And this will keep us from enlightenment in a Buddhist sense, perhaps, or believing that we can cheat the hand of God in a medieval Christian sense. And ultimately, keeping us from being able to really move through the fool's journey in the tarot we get stuck in the cycle of the wheel because we can't deal with the possibility or the potentiality of negative happenings or bad luck or suffering or dissatisfaction. I wanna talk about two shadow pieces that I see with this card. The first being a tendency in the new age wellness space to either only focus on the positive, right, the love and light crew, or to take an extreme position of if you aren't happy, if you're ill, if you're in poverty, if you have negative experiences, that somehow they are completely the fault of your own attitude or bad vibes, or in some cases, you actually asked for them. And The second piece is a more traditional reversed interpretation of the Wheel of Fortune, you know, unrest, bad luck, or not living in tune with the Dharma or your Dharma. So for the first, and I'm hardly the only person to talk about toxic positivity and good vibes only, love and light only that exist in this this online influencer health and wellness and new age space, but we see it. And as I mentioned earlier, this is really a misinterpretation or perhaps oversimplification of this card. That you always have to be operating at a high vibrational energy lest you cause sorrow and suffering in your life. And it ends up, in many cases, being a way for people who are largely or often privileged in many ways be it due to class, race, able-bodiedness, country of birth, to turn away from or ignore suffering in the world, the suffering of others, honestly, even the suffering of themselves, because we, we all do experience suffering of some degree in our lives. They may claim that they are light workers or that they are only operating on this higher vibrational energy, 
And so to watch the news or to comment on genocide or speak out about injustice is somehow bringing down their vibe that they are somehow above the horrors of the world and to be working for justice in the real world rather than being a noble pursuit is below the more enlightened so-called politically neutral prayer hands white girl namaste way of life and relatedly since this person is a branch of the person archetype i just mentioned above are those who really go full on into whatever happens in your life is completely and entirely and only because of your own thoughts and vibrations and you alone have asked for or responsible for things that happen. I've come across videos of influencers saying, well, I've had, you know, X, Y, and Z bad things happen to me in my life. And I changed my attitude, practiced the law of attraction, changed my vibration, and now I'm rich and attractive and happy. And the implication, of course, is that if you're not those things, it's because you're lazy, you have a bad attitude, you aren't trying hard enough, whatever. And it's really a regurgitation of this idea that the U.S. is a pure meritocracy repackaged in new aged spiritualism. And this is not to say that I don't practice manifestation or that I don't believe that we have power to make our own decisions, but we should contextualize it in the reality of the social systems in which we live. Those outside forces, like the Wheel of Fortune, that influence us whether we want them to or not, whether we're consciously aware of that influence or not, I remember listening to a woman say that, and this this is really a, a sad story to me, that she believed she had actually called into her own life an abusive ex-partner to teach her lessons about how to be a better person, that not only was she responsible for it, but that she wanted it to happen on a subconscious level. Like, to me, that's wackadoodle. I want to be clear that we do have agency over things in our lives. We do make choices. We can choose to nurture different types of seeds in our consciousness. We can build habits. We can impact our lives and our surroundings. But we also need to understand that everything in the world is not in our control. And the Wheel of Fortune tells us this. How other people act things other people do, the changing of the tides, the changing of the leaves in the fall. We do not control everything. And again, this type of discourse is really reflective, in my view, of hyper-individualistic, rugged American individualism ideology that just isn't reflective of the reality of our lives and certainly not the lives of the billions of people who live on the earth. And it creates simultaneously this weird, this like false sense of ego that I and I alone control everything in my world and a type of victim blaming when people experience oppression or marginalization. Since if everything is actually in our control, then they've somehow brought this upon themselves. And I can't get down with that kind of 
conversation. And I said that the second element, um, unrest, bad luck, living out of alignment with our dharma or our purpose or of the dharma, the, the teachings of life, that's a shadow of this card too. And this more closely aligns with what you might find in a discussion in a tarot book about the reversed or blocked aspects of this card. It can show up if we are trying to resist change, resist fate, or work against what we feel deeply is the right path for us. When we are acting and living out of alignment in this way, things will be unsettled. We will be stuck. We might even move backwards. I also think, much like my last episode um, about the hermit, of how this energy is anomic. It is disconnected from others, from nature, from the turning of the wheel of life. And it leaves us in a state of disarray, of unsettledness. It only adds to our suffering and dissatisfaction and keeps us from moving forward in a healthy, productive, and authentic way. All right, new segment on Crystal Knowledge Tarot. Before sitting down to record, I took one of the two decks that I wanted to talk about the symbolism of the card in, the Ethereal Visions Illuminated Tarot deck. I shuffled the deck. I searched for the Wheel of Fortune. Then I looked at the cards before and after to create a three-card spread, which is pretty much my favorite type of spread, to be honest, especially for general inquiries, quick check-ins. And I want to talk about the different cards that came up and how we might interpret them. So I drew them at the beginning of the episode before I started recording, but I haven't really written anything down. So I'm going to go through them real time with you all. And I'm looking at them right now next to me. And I drew from left to right the Eight of Pentacles reversed, the Wheel of Fortune in the center, and the Chariot reversed. So I don't always read reversals, but something feels like I should absolutely read these two in reverse. So both the Chariot and the Eight of Pentacles reversed are telling me that maybe you or me, this reading is for all of us, we're living out of alignment with the Dharma, with our purpose, with our path. The, the charioteer is going in the wrong direction, right? It's reversed. He, she, they, they're off course. They're not making the right decisions. They're making decisions that are stifling their ability to move in that direction that is aligned with their purpose, their goals, and with the Dharma, right? The, the way of life they want to follow, the teachings they want to follow. And a, okay, a more traditional interpretation of the Eight of Pentacles reversed might be that you are not working hard enough, right? The Eight of Pentacles is a card about, about diligently working hard. But let me tell you right now, here on Crystal and Knowledge Tarot, I will never tell you, me, anybody, that we are working too hard, that we should work 80 hours a week. You are 
probably working too much, actually. But I think that this card in reverse is saying maybe you're working too hard at trying to be perfect when that is literally not possible. And you are not infallible, same as I. We are imperfect. Like, maybe work on being a human, right? We we cannot work our way to perfection. It's a waste of time. I also think that in some situations, we might want to ask ourselves, am I spending my time working on things that I should be working on? Or is it that I am working a lot, but it's on things that I don't like to do on projects that I hate, or I'm spending too much time just doing things that will not actually nurture the seeds of joy in my life and in my soul. When I looked, I was off work um, all of last week. And when I looked at the average number of hours that I was spending on my phone, like scrolling on TikTok, playing a game, scrolling on Instagram, like, is that actually nurturing those seeds of joy in my life, those things that I want to grow, like not really. So the wheel is telling me in this spread that we are blocked. We are off the path, right? Our cards on the left and right, they're reversed. They're telling us we are not going in the right direction. And we need to get back on that path in order to move forward. So that's how I can take the Wheel of Fortune and use it as the center of a reading, what's going on around it. And you can do this in a targeted way with a lot of cards. So you could pull the major arcana card that corresponds with your zodiac sign. Um, if you need to make a choice, maybe you could pull the two of wands and do something similar, like what's going on on either side. Or if you wanna nurture your own magic, maybe centered around the magician or the high priestess, for example. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Next week, we are on to Key 11, Justice, our law queen of the tarot. And you can find me at Crystalline Knowledge Tarot on Instagram. I also have a Patreon for listeners who want to support my work and get some additional perks, such as a monthly tarot spread delivered to your email. So thanks a lot, and see you next time.